what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. Right is not what I say is right. It's not what you say is right. But it's right according to what God says is right. He did that which was right. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me please to the book of 2 Chronicles. The book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 29, beginning in verse 1. 2 Chronicles 29, in verse 1. And Hezekiah began to reign when he was five and twenty years old. And he reigned nine and twenty years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. And I want to use for a subject. This morning as we begin a new series, and Hezekiah began to reign. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before your throne of grace today, and I thank you for every person that's under the sound of my voice today. And Lord, this morning as I stand before you people, I have studied and prepared But, Lord, I lean not upon my own ability and strength and studies, but, Lord, I lean upon you today. I ask for your anointing. Help me today to rightly divide this word of truth and to bring it to the people that the least among us, whomever that may be, may be able to hear and understand your word. And, Lord, we just pray today that all of us be drawn a little closer to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. During the reign of King Solomon, Israel enjoyed one of the greatest times of prosperity in all of her history. It's been said that most of the gold and silver of the world made its way to Jerusalem. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, we read where Solomon began construction on the temple. And a lot of that gold was used in that temple. It was one of the most beautiful structures ever built up to that time. Costing somewhere around $300 million in today's inflated economy. Standing just outside the temple 
were two huge, solid brass pillars that were over 60 feet tall. It's been said that people would come from all over the world and camp outside Jerusalem to watch the sun come up over Mount Olivet and for the rays of the sun to reflect off of those two brass pillars and the light would reflect down into the streets of Jerusalem. A beautiful scene. Leaders came from all over the world to see it. The Queen of Sheba came to see this grand sight and inquire of Solomon's wisdom. Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever lived, he loved God and he served God for many years. But the Bible says that in his latter days that he married many strange women from other nations. And they turned his heart away from God. And God warned Solomon concerning this situation. And Solomon in all of his wisdom would not listen, would not take heed to God's warning. And God allowed his adversaries to be stirred up. And one of those adversaries was Jeroboam, who was one of his servants. And Jeroboam set himself against King Solomon. And Solomon fired back at him and he left for a period of time. But because of Solomon's sin... His adversaries got stirred up. And let me just stop right here and say this. Because of the sins in America today, our adversaries are stirred up. Now wait a minute. I can, I can stand here today and I can list off sin after sin after sin that this nation has engaged in and has approved and has generated laws and so forth. And I can list thing after thing today. But America's greatest sin today is forsaking God. And the church's greatest sin today is forsaking the cross. Jesus said to the church in the last days, He said, Behold, I stand outside the door of the church knocking. Trying to get in. Your answer today is not getting somebody else in office that is a conservative or a Republican. But your answer today is getting Jesus Christ back in the church where he belongs. That's the answer. It's been stated that the way the preacher goes, so goes the church. The way the church goes, so goes the nation. And the way this nation goes, so goes the world. And God help the world right now. God took away the kingdom from Solomon.
Solomon because of his sin. But he did it under the reign of his son, Rehoboam. Rehoboam, when he took the throne of Israel, the Bible tells us, and Julie, if you'll put it up there on the screen, 1 Kings chapter 12. She's just going to put it up there as a reference. She's not going to put the whole chapter up there. We'll be here all day. I'll just tell you the story. But Rehoboam, when he took the throne of Israel, he forsook counsel of the old men that stood with his father Solomon. These were wise men, men who were seasoned, if you will. Men who were educated. And he forsook their counsel and instead took counsel and advisement from the young men whom he had grew up with. The old men advised him to speak kindly to the people and promise to be a servant to the people. Rehoboam, if you will do this thing, the people will follow you forever. And they were right. But he forsook that counsel and took the counsel of the young men who said, speak roughly to the people and lay heavy burdens upon them. And that's what he did. And the kingdom was divided. The tribes of Judah and Benjamin sided with Rehoboam because Rehoboam was of the lineage of David. The rest of Israel, known as the northern kingdom, sided with Jeroboam, who we mentioned just a few minutes ago. Jeroboam setting himself up, setting himself up as the king over the northern kingdom, wanted to secure the people and make sure that they did not go back down to the southern kingdom because down in the southern kingdom is where the temple was at. That was the place where God had designated that men ought to worship. He didn't want the people going away from him, so he established his own temple and erected a golden calf and said, These be your gods. And worship them. Not one righteous king ever sat upon the throne of the northern kingdom. When you start off wrong, the whole thing is wrong. Are you, are you hearing me today? And let me say this, just because you start off right... If you're not careful and you don't maintain your faith in the right foundation, you too will get off track and go awry. Not one righteous king ever sat upon the throne of the northern kingdom, and few ever sat upon the southern kingdom. And Hezekiah, was one of them. Let's look at it. Second Chronicles 29 verse 1. Hezekiah came to the throne 
of the southern kingdom, 250 years after Israel was divided. The Bible says that he was 25 years old when he took the throne. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. He was one of the godliest kings that ever graced that particular throne of the southern kingdom. And here's the strange thing about it. His father, Ahaz, was one of the most ungodly kings that ever graced that throne. Julie, if you will, put it up on the screen, Second Chronicles 28 and verse 1. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. But he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord, like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, that's the northern kingdom, and made also molten images for Balaam. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Himon, and burnt, listen to this, and burnt his children in the fire after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord has cast out before the children of Israel. How evil is that? How wicked is that? To have a child. And you've got to have some understanding of what they did. They would erect this God made of iron and metal and whatever the case. And... They would fill the belly of this iron heathenistic God. They would fill it with wood and set it on fire and heat it up. And the arms of this God would be extended out like so. And those arms would turn red hot. And they would take their children and place them upon the arms of that idol demonic as the priests sat around with their drums and would beat the drums loud to drown out the screams of the child how wicked how ungodly is that we here in America today are no different because we don't even allow the children to be born we offer them up to the God of self and the right to my own body and to do what I want to do. We offer it up to the God of self. It's called abortion. It's murder. Let me ask you this today. Hezekiah, how can one so righteous Come from one who was so ungodly. How can Hezekiah come from his father who burned his children in the fire? How can that be? Am I making any sense to you? Y'all understand what I'm saying? 
How can one so good come from one so bad? I'm going to tell you how. The Bible says, Julie, if you'll go back to 2 Chronicles 29, verse 1. Hezekiah, although his father was evil, wicked, and ungodly, Ahaz married a woman by the name of Abijah. And the Bible says his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. Now, this Zechariah is not the prophet Zechariah that wrote the book that bears his name. This is another Zechariah. And Julie, if you will, go to Second Chronicles 26 and 5. I want to show you this about this particular Zechariah. And he, this is speaking of King Uzziah, who was another godly king that sat upon the southern kingdom, sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. Zechariah was a godly man. And his daughter's name was Abijah, or Abby for short. Her name means my father is Jehovah or the will of God. Think of that. Zechariah named his daughter Abijah, which means my father is Jehovah or the will of God. How can one so godly come from one so ungodly? It's because of that godly grandfather and that godly mother that influenced the life of Hezekiah. Oh, good grace and mercy. There's a whole lot that can be said here. There's a whole lot that can be said here. Ma'am, you may be married to an ungodly husband. And you think your child is going to follow in his footsteps. But if you'll raise that child according to the Word of God, the will of God, the ways of God. Are you listening to me today? Despite the ungodly actions of Ahaz, Hezekiah's father, Abijah, his mother, and her teachings got through. And the godly teachings of his grandfather, Zechariah, it got through. So... If you're struggling today raising your kids, raise them according to what this Bible says. Raise them according to the will of God, the Word of God. And Hezekiah became one of the godliest kings that ever sat upon the throne of the southern kingdom. And he led Israel into a revival, if you will, for a period of time. And here's the thing about Hezekiah. Now this is what the Word of God says. 2 Chronicles 29 verse 2. Hezekiah did that which was right. He did that which was right. Right is not what man says is right. Right is not 
what the state government says is right. Right is not what the federal government says is right. Right is not what the Republicans say is right. Right is not what the Democrats say is right. Right is not what I say is right. It's not what you say is right. But it's right according to what God says is right. He did that which was right. In the sight of the Lord. I'm going to deal with that in just a minute. But today, man says that it's not right to address sin, a sinful lifestyle. And again, I can go off and name 101 different things out here. To address such as that as that is hate speech. And they're going to start pushing laws now against such as that. But let me tell you what the Bible says. Ezekiel chapter 3. Julie, if you will, put it up on the screen. Ezekiel chapter 3. Verse 17, this is what God said. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. A watchman. What's the job of a watchman? There would be a wall around the city. And there would be certain towers in places and there would be a watchman that sat upon the tower and his job was to look out on the horizon to see if who was coming. And if he saw a big old dust cloud in the distance coming up, then that was the sign of an enemy coming. And he was to sound the alarm and to warn the people inside that walled city of what was coming. There's an enemy that's coming. And God told Ezekiel, he said, I have set you to be a watchman. Some people ask me, said, Brother James, why do you preach like you do? You preach too hard. God has set me up to be a watchman. To be a watchman over this house and to be a watchman. For every radio station that God gives me, it's my job to warn you about the enemy that's trying to come in. That's after your soul. And I'd rather preach too hard than to preach too soft and you lose your soul. And this is what God told Ezekiel. I made you a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die. But thou hast delivered thy soul. God help me when I preach to deliver my soul. But see, let me tell you, it's not just my responsibility to warn the wicked. It's your responsibility as well if you're saved today. 
God went on to say, verse 20, again, when a righteous man, now the first phrase had to deal with the ungodly. Now we're talking about the righteous folks, church folks, free will Baptist folks, Pentecostal folks, Methodist folks. I'm just trying to bring it on down where it's at. Godly folks, so-called Christians. When a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because thou hast not given him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned, also thou hast delivered thy soul. God holds us accountable for right and wrong and warning both the godly and the ungodly that's in this world. And righteousness is not according to what man says is right and wrong. Righteousness is according to what this Bible says is right and wrong. All right. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Second Chronicles 29 verse 2. In the sight of the Lord. I went to the barber shop the other day. Can't you tell? You inspired me, brother. I climbed up in the chair and he did a couple of swaps, and he said, Brother, I hate to tell you, but the old comb over ain't doing it for you no more. You're going to have to embrace the bald. And it was suggested to me to wear a wig, and I ain't that, I ain't that. I am who I am. I ain't going to be fake. I'm James, and you either like me or you don't. So... Haircut and he lost his anointing. Lord, don't let me lose my anointing. <laughs> oh well, I we'll have to leave that up to the Lord, bro. Thank you, I appreciate that. If you need to adjust your hair, just let me bend over like this, brother. You can. It's pretty shiny up there now, and let me tell you, it's pretty airish up there now too. But it's real, it's real easy to maintain now. It's going to be very economical now, too. Hairspray and less shampoo and let's leave that alone. I'm sitting there in the barber shop. And the news was on in the corner and there was another gentleman sitting there and he was waiting his turn. And all of a sudden he just cursed out loud. Obscenity, filth, I mean, just filled the room. I'm sitting there watching it too. He just said what I was thinking. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. It was political in nature. And if you haven't watched any of that lately, it's enough to make anybody. But wait a minute, let me, let me say this. You say, well, Brother James, to, to think it is the same as saying it. 
Yeah, but if you think it, you sin once. If you say it, you sin twice. But he blurted out this obscenity and the barber said, Whoa, whoa, wait a minute now, we got a preacher in here. And I said, my brother, don't worry about whether I heard you or not. God's the one that heard you. And let me say this. You said, Brother James, I'm shocked that you would admit to thinking something obscene. And there ain't a person sitting in this room that ain't had some ungodly thoughts here lately as it pertains to the junk that's been going on in this country. But what you say and do is a reflection of what's in your heart. And Hezekiah did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord sees not only your actions, but He sees right into your heart. He knows why you do what you do. Are you listening to me? All right. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father had done David most when they think of David they think of the terrible sin of adultery committed with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah Although David committed two of the worst sins that one can imagine, God still chose David to be the measuring stick of righteousness for all the other kings to follow. Now I want you to think about that for just a minute. Forget the clock over there. Think about what I did. Despite the terrible sin of adultery and murder, God still set David up as the measuring stick of righteousness for all the other kings to follow. And you think about that this morning, and you're like, how can that be? How can God do that when a person has committed two of the worst sins you can think of? I'm going to tell you how. First of all, God chose David. Through Him, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, would come. God chose Him. And if you'll read in Matthew 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, 
the son of Abraham. God chose David. Well, didn't God know what David was going to do? Yep, he knew. God knows what you're going to do too. God knew that you were going to play the fool when he saved you as a child, but he saved you anyway. Are you listening to me? He saved you anyway. Amen, brother. But when Nathan the prophet came in to David, and he was told to address that sin of adultery and murder, Nathan the prophet said, Thou art the man. And David accepted the blame for that, and he repented of his sin. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the key. That's the key. Repentance. Repentance. To turn from your sin. He no longer tried to hide it. He repented of his sin. And that's why the Bible says, God said that David is a man after mine own heart. And you and I today, let let me tell you this, if you're, if God waited for the perfect person to come along, I'm waiting for the perfect person that I'm going to use for my son to come through. Jesus Christ would have never came. Because there are no perfect people. There are no perfect preachers. There are no perfect church members. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means even the most godliest one under the sound of my voice today. That potential is there for you to fall. And sooner or later you fall sooner or later you'll turn across that newscast and you'll see something and you'll have an evil thought to come into your mind that sin and let me say this too if you want anything bad to happen to any political member i don't care Democrat or Republican, if you've got any wicked thought in your mind of something bad happening to them, you are wrong. You are falling into the trap that the enemy has set. Jesus said you're to love your enemies and to pray for them that persecute you and hurt you and say all manner of evil against you. Oh, we're fixing to really be tested, folks. We're going to fix and find out who's who here in the next few weeks and months and whatever the case. But David was the measuring stick that God used for all the kings to follow thereafter. Thirdly, when God forgives a person... That sin is gone. Did you hear what I said? When God forgives a person, that sin is gone. 
God will never remember that thing again. It is gone. It is washed. It is cleansed. Good grace of mercy. That's enough to make a free will Baptist shout. That's enough to make a Baptist shout. That's enough to make a Methodist shout. That's enough to make a Pentecostal shout. That's enough to make any of you that's already gone to sleep this morning listening to me. That's enough to make you wake up and shout. My sins are gone. Glory to God. Gone, gone, far as east is from the west. If God has forgiven it and washed it, cleansed it, buried it, whatever you want to say would do with it, God has buried it, you had best bury it too. Who do you think you are to keep bringing up the failures of other people? If God has washed it and cleansed it and has forgiven that person, you've got to forgive them too. And God said, if you don't forgive, then I'm not going to forgive. That's why God chose David. He was a man after God's own heart. God knew he was going to commit that sin. But he also knew that David was going to repent of it. And that's your key. And when God forgives, he forgives and it's done. It's over with. It's finished. And Hezekiah began to reign. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. And we're going to look at a little bit more of this next week. program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. That's right, girls. And now we're having worship service inside the church every Sunday morning at 930. As well, we're also having Bible study and prayer meeting every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. All of these services are being broadcast to the parking lot for those who wish to participate drive-in style. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMED community. 
On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.